you have motive for global warming. That is, it's not purely an accident, a byproduct of your, say, extractive activities for petroleum. Well, well, I guess I, I, maybe I'm asking a technical question here, but how do they actually, how do you claim that they actually do this? I mean, how are they globally warming the planet? Well, the global warming of the planet by the extractive industries is well documented. Uh, that is, you uh, just to break it down, the burning, once you extract the gas and the oil burning of it, as you know, in automobiles and stoves, is a large contributor to global warming. Uh, in uh, a year, which I'll dig up out of the book, I believe it was 2009, uh, British Petroleum broke ranks with the rest of the oil companies and said, yep, oil companies are a large contributor to global warming. Mm -hmm. This, you know, this was a big deal. Uh, but just to answer your question, it's in the extractive operations uh, themselves, uh, large amounts of energy is consumed, large amounts of carbon is emitted. Uh, you clear the land to extract oil or gas. Uh, you deforest of large tracts. Coal is the same way. Uh, so all of the extractive industries fairly well documented. They they contribute and they will admit this to varying degrees uh, as time goes by and the political situation changes. They have admitted it mm -hmm. and taken various positions on what to do about it. No, I mean, look, I think that that history shows that the Rockefellers who started the production of oil in the in the mid to late 19th century, that they took measures to suppress and destroy alternative energy um, methods. Um, so for proprietary reasons, they wanted to monopolize the uh, creation of energy. And then eventually they got into monopolizing banking and population control and, and, uh, and eugenics and all sorts of other stuff. But in the process of their monopolizing control over energy through oil, I believe they put a stop to the use of diesel fuel, which apparently is a lot cleaner and a lot less, um, you know, environmentally problematic. And that that even included literally the murder of the head of the inventor of diesel fuel, a man by the name of Diesel, who was thrown off of a uh, cruise ship. Um, so you have the idea that there is uh, tremendous power and motive for gain uh, in the characteristic of this uh, extractive community, number one, and they are prepared to do virtually anything. Um, there are some murders discussed in this book, uh, Bitter Heat. Uh, they aren't the murder of diesel, but they are uh, murders of uh, people in uh, Africa where uh, this book focuses uh, fairly large on Africa. That's where the extraction is going on at an accelerated rate uh, with very little uh, news coverage, except for uh, in Mozambique, which comprises chapter one, mm -hmm. uh, you have a, a situation now where it's a resource war that is characterized as, well, uh, it's Muslim terrorists who are attacking the government. This war has been going on since 2017 when 
the gas uh, strike by Western companies, uh, Anadarko, Texas company, uh, Exxon then partnered with them. Tremendously large gas strike off the coast of Mozambique in an area called Cabo Delgado. That's where the war is going on right now and has been going on for seven years. Uh, Rwanda has been called to send thousands of troops. U.S. troops uh, advisory are there as well. Uh, it's called a terrorist war, but it's a resource war. Mm. And it's because this gas, when and if it is developed, tremendously large field, um, will create tremendous profits. And it's either going to go all to Western companies and a little bit to the elite in Mozambique, or maybe the elite in Mozambique won't get any of it, but the people uh, of Mozambique are not going to benefit under any current scenario. And that, in my opinion, the record shows that that's the reason for this long war. Now, uh, right. the book speaks negatively about Dick Cheney. Mm -hmm. um, so for full disclosure, uh, next presidential election, I'm going to vote for Liz Cheney. And she is uh, a straight shooter, but her father uh, is not. His company, Halliburton, is involved in Mozambique mm -hmm. and has been since the beginning, uh, whereby uh, you have um, the project calls for creation of a so-called gas city. And this will be a tremendously large uh, pavement, buildings, uh, the extractive uh, companies, offices and uh, facilities themselves, and a lot of offshore rigs uh, such that, and this is important, the connection to global warming is when and if that's ever done, the war is postponing it. But when it's done, it will by itself raise by 10% Mozambique's total carbon emissions. Just that one location, mm -hmm. uh, increasing a company's you know, drastically uh, emissions drastically. So the other part of Cabo Delgado, which brings in the spies and the organized crime, is that it was uh, after the strike was made by Anadarko, it was a long, complex, and covert uh, business to set up with the government of Mozambique and the other powers that be there, the ability to go in and set up to extract the gas. Uh, the spy community was present because, uh, well, what was needed was a ability of the West to not only pull the gas physically, but to monitor and control the area, so, you know, for so-called security. So the, the contract was for a fleet of security patrol boats to patrol the gas area. Now, these boats have been much written about in a slightly different context. This is called the Mozambique hidden debt scandal. The, the deal was is that Mozambique was uh, gotten into contracting to buy from a maker in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, there's powers there that were working with uh, U.S. spy 
representatives uh, to set the matter up. Uh, these patrol boats are high tech. They were manufactured and paid for by Mozambique. But, and this is the hidden debt scandal, which has been widely publicized. It's also called the tuna boat scandal mm. because these boats in the mainstream press were referred to mostly as fishing boats with a few patrol boats. That's misnomer. It was 99% security patrol boats. Uh, they were manufactured and paid for, but the money disappeared. And that's the hidden debt scandal. Mozambique is still on the hook for a large amount of money, many, many millions of dollars, uh, because uh, in as part of the scam, the Credit Suisse, the loan maker, uh, and the boat maker, uh, not uh, the head boat maker, but his representatives, and this has all been in court alleged and uh, uh, it's all on public record. He, uh, the, the representatives uh, stole the money uh, and some of it went also went in the pockets of Mozambican officials. But the crux of the matter is that the boats themselves couldn't remain in the possession of the Mozambican government and their spy agency, SISE, because they weren't paid for. So what happened to the boats? They were sold to an American, Eric Prince, founder mm -hmm. of Blackwater. Yeah, he sure. is a self-described CIA agent. So that's what happened is that the spies were so heavily involved there. And another reason they had to be involved is that another powers that be on the Cabo Delgado coast are heroin dealers. Mm. The Cabo Delgado is the southern terminus of what's known as, widely publicized, as the heroin coast, Pakistan to northern Mozambique. This is a steady stream of small sailboats carrying heroin. And you see, this is uh, a motive for the western uh, maritime presence to be there in that if the heroin was deemed necessary, and I believe the record shows that it was because the powers that be uh, are Mozambique's most powerful businessmen who happen as a sort of a sideline to deal heroin. They're mostly hotel operators, but they, they deal the heroin too. So that's their turf. The heroin uh, gang, that is the Cabo Delgado area with the gas is also the heroin dealer's turf. Now, as you know, accommodations have to be made when a turf is thoroughly controlled. And who is going to make accommodations with these gangsters? Who can walk in both worlds? Well, those are the spies. Mm -hmm. They are adept. They can talk to anybody. They can talk to legit people, illegit people. They are skilled at making accommodations for operations that they deem necessary. So this is the situation as I see it in, in Mozambique. Well, I mean, I think that it might be a microcosm for wars that go back quite a while that were influenced by uh, fossil fuels, 
Uh, I think the Iraq war, you could argue, had that element to it. And who controls the oil? The um, the coup against Mossadegh in uh, Iran certainly did, with the British and the Americans um, instigated that. And, uh, and that's kind of one of these sort of under-the-radar uh, causes of wars uh, going all the way back. Um, and yet, you know, isn't yeah, it... You need, you, need the, you need the spies. You always need the spies. Right. And, and it's the spies, the CIA, the whole deep state, what President Trump called the deep state, um, and that it's interconnected to um, other spy groups in the, around the world, and that, yeah, there's mafia connection, there's high, there's organized crime, um, and there's kind of this informal infrastructure that is trying to preserve this industry and make money from it. And it's really a financial thing. But at the same time, the, the world establishment, um, they seem to be very much trying to combat global warming. I mean, is that is this kind of a uh, bait and switch or is it sort of a... Um, you know, creating a, a, a false uh, dialectic so that the rest of us are fooled while they do nothing? That's a good question. Uh, there are people working against global warming, and it's perhaps different if you do not take the uh, global warming acceleration as a deliberate matter. I think most of the work is being done by people who are going, okay, this is somewhat accidental. And it, the, the main thing is not who caused it, but what to do about it. So I can understand that. That's, that's very rational. But I think that's incomplete. And mm -hmm. if you regard it as a deliberate matter, well, then there is legal liability. As you know, uh, if you're in a car and you take an action that you know is reckless and you happen to hit somebody, you didn't intend to hit him, but you're liable for the harm that's caused to him. Uh, the liability doesn't rest on intent, but simply on awareness that you're causing harm. Right. So if, if it's deliberate, then a, another set of actions, another kind of actions is called for, is legal action, it's uh, stronger action that's now now being taken, uh, boycotts, uh, strikes, and but especially I think just uh, suing, suing, suing. Now I want to finish on Mozambique by saying that it's not only the uh, organized crimes uh, hotbed for heroin, but it's also the repository of a lot of cocaine. Mm -hmm. There's an established route from Colombia through Brazil to Maputo, the capital of Mozambique. And the operation uh, at the other end, the South American end, bears just as much presence of, uh, well, along with organized crime, of the American spy community. Mm -hmm. So that is a chapter in the book dealing with the formation uh, of the Medellin, Colombia cartel. Uh, there's, there's some good material, a, a quote from an American soldier who was pretty much there at the formation of the Medellin cartel. He says, well, 
what was necessary for the CIA, who was using uh, cocaine dealers as intelligence sources, these being the guys on the ground with the most information about what was happening in Colombia, is the CIA said, and yet it would be easier for us if we could get to all of these guys at once and put them all on our side on a sort of an informal, formal basis. So money was provided and the cartel was formed with the participation and finance of the CIA, according to the American soldier who was on the ground in Mesoamerica at the time, purely for intelligence purposes, mm -hmm. uh, or that is largely for. But they, once you're in a kind of control, you're monitoring, you can influence, you can use it uh, for other things besides intelligence. And so up and down uh, Mesoamerica, you see the collaboration of organized crime. And uh, the CIA is primarily in Mesoamerica to further uh, corporate uh, interests, mostly extractive interests, especially if you count bananas, you know, the United Fruit Company, but largely uh, coal and to some extent oil. The corporate um, extractors uh, it's treated in the book were um, very uh, close to these um, paramilitary guys. They're called the Death Squad that was hired by the Colombian government against the guerrillas. Uh, the United Fruit Company was, German Coal was, and the palm oil industry was as well. So that is a chapter uh, in no, that's that's that a very important out. issue. I mean, that's something that goes back to the 19th century and the <clears throat> the Walker experiment in Nicaragua. Um, I think most recently a, a, a permutation of that is the the installation. When you say Walker experiments, what do you mean? Uh, Walker was set up as a dictator of Nicaragua in 1850, ah. yes, and yes, and he was you. a part of what what was called one of the filibusters. He was a he was yes, a, right. Then he was, of course, executed by the people of Nicaragua. Um, the uh, most recently, you have this narco terrorist, convicted felon, pulled out of prison and installed in Brazil, who I think is part of this uh, agenda to keep South America and Central America as part of this um, industry and and part of this system. What and is his name? His name is Lula. Gotcha. And he replaced the elected and popular president, Bolsonaro, who I think was trying to bring about some reforms in that country. And that uh, Biden actually sent one of his chief aides, that being uh, uh, Josh Sullivan, down to um, Brazil to tell Bolsonaro that he was going to have to step aside. It was it was kind of a, a quiet coup. I, I realize that. Yeah. And, and I, then, I, I'm sorry. I, well, I, what I thought you were going to mention uh, in uh, the uh, spy community's connection with uh, Mesoamerican organized crime and protecting and uh, sponsoring a chief member of that was uh, the arms dealer, Victor Boot, who mm -hmm. was exchanged yes. uh, in for, a prisoner exchange. For, for the, uh, for what, well, he was exchanged uh, for the and, soccer uh, player, right? He, uh, yeah. He showed... He showed that he is uh, was able to pull some strings with 
the U.S. spy community there. And not to mention the fact that he's one of the major supporters of Vladimir Putin. But putting that aside, this is, um, you know, there's a lot going on under the hood. and, And as you say, a lot of it's mixed up with the oil industry. Now, you say that the extraction of oil and coal is really the main source of pollution that causes global warming, not necessarily. Uh, it's it's um, right up there, uh, the extractive industries and the steamship industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the steamship industry may be number one by a slight margin. Of course, the extractive industries need the steamship industry, uh, as do other people. So it's, it is connected there. But the uh, extraction of uh, coal and, and oil are, are chief mm-hmm. warmers, uh, and they're great motivators uh, to uh, do things uh, not by the book. So, Roger, I guess that um, the obvious question that comes to mind here is, are there technologies available at this point that could be alternatives that could really work as well and you know maintain our ability to continue to, is that you, or continue to develop um, our, 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 you know, our technological age? I mean, it, or, or are we really, or is oil still it and coal? Oh, they're still there. Oh, they're um, there, but is there anything that's coming up? Oh, oh what I see is that uh, the, um, all of the oil, including the oil under uh, Russia, all of it is going to be extracted. Uh, they will, there is no way that that oil and the coal is going to be left in the ground. The only um, measure towards what you're talking about at all toward it, as I see it, is that um, if the government, our friend the government, mm-hmm. could raise the money to buy out the oil industry and the coal industry to buy all of the remaining coal or much of it or whatever, just to to uh, compensate these folks. Uh, not that they deserve it, you see, morally, but uh, if they were compensated and only if they were compensated, and I think it's gonna be only by taxing the people to pay them, only if, if that happens will the petroleum and the coal be left in the ground and the situation in the future markedly uh, improved. Well, but, but I guess that it brings up my question as well, which is that assuming that the coal and oil were left in the ground, what do we have in terms of energy in this country and in this world? I mean, how are well, we going to... I, how are we going I think to... You- you're as you're as good a man to answer that question as I, probably better, because as it happens, I haven't paid uh, attention to that. Um, I'm sorry to say. No, I mean I think that, but in order for the in order for what we're talking about to happen, there has to be some alternative, and I don't think that it's going to be electric cars because that also involves environmental problems of extracting these rare minerals, and it's a uh, you know, it's, they're actually quite toxic and it doesn't work as well. So, I mean, I don't cl- I don't have no idea what the solution is, but, you know. Well, we- the, to answer your question in terms of rare minerals, um, 
that's part of, that's going to be just part of the problem because that's an extractive industry as well. Right. Sure. So you'll have all the same problems, uh, perhaps on a lesser scale, but who knows? But uh, I, I apologize. I just have not uh, taken uh, any um, research uh, or thinking action in terms of any alternatives except buying out the oil. Buying no, no, out no. You, but you're doing a great job of, of documenting the, um, the criminality of an industry that has caused wars and that has, um, you know, has had levels of corruption going all the way back to the first extractions, which were done by the Rockefeller family in, um, in Pennsylvania. Um, and that really does dominate much of the world. And the, you know, is it backs much of the currency in the world. And it's, it's a very uh, intractable situation. Especially in terms of real estate. You see, that is one of the uh-huh. big, very biggest industries in this country and many countries. Uh, as you know, the, U.S. economy depends on various uh, small number of industries that absolutely must profit or the U.S. quote economy and quote uh, just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And real estate is one of them. So I would like to talk now about uh, the Gulf of Mexico uh, with uh, eventual emphasis on the Mexican uh, coast and the real estate situation that has emerged there due to activities of the loosely knit group uh, that are the subject of the book. Sure, go ahead. All right. In, uh, I'm going to talk about the, uh, first about uh, the Mexican oil company and its relationship with U.S. Uh, oil interests. Um, and organized crime. Uh, as it happens, there was a time in uh, around 2005 when Texas oil companies were buying, rather than refining their own extractions here, they were buying uh, Pemex, uh, petroleum company in Mexico, uh, um, condensate, uh, petroleum condensate. It was just better. It, it was lighter and just more profitable for Texas companies to do that. Then the Mexican government, in its changeability, uh, canceled the export of Pemex product to Texas. Now, this was something of a crisis, and it was solved by uh, contracting of various people in uh, the Texas oil industry, one of whom uh, used to work for Dick Cheney uh, before he assumed this position, to Mm -hmm. buy... uh, Pemex oil, but that was stolen from pipelines in Mexico by Los Zetas, the cartel operative in that area, who trucked it across the border and sold it. So in this way, the flow of Pemex uh, uh, product continued to Texas, and Texas oil companies um, profited that way. The guy's name was uh, Crescenzi, and he... Uh, did work for Cheney. So uh, that brings in Dick Cheney. Now to the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Oh, yes, sure. In 2010. British Petroleum, right? Yes. um, I mentioned that, or I didn't mention yet that, uh, maybe I did, that 
BP was the one that said, believe it was in 2009, uh, a year before the, the deep water spill, that yes, oil companies are causing global warming. And you see, this is a breaking of the ranks. The oil companies, as you know, previously had been tightly ranked in denying global warming as such, first off, mm -hmm. and also denying <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. participation in global warming. Right. The breaking of the ranks, and I think that that was not to be ignored. That, that's in the nature of an insult, really. If you look at it in a bunch of guys and a guy breaks ranks, that's an insult. So I figure Dick Cheney, um, the record shows that he is a, a man of great power who is not afraid to be vindictive mm. with his power. Right. I think that's on the record. So it doesn't matter, really. Um, the, the record shows that uh, when the deep water rig was built, it, was, uh, used, it used cement that was faulty. In nine separate safety tests, uh, the, uh, so, okay, uh, the cement was tested by Chevron, uh, and that was because Chevron had some involvement in the beginning of the project. In nine tests, the, oh, excuse me, Halliburton mm -hmm. provided the cement. Let me back up here. Right, okay. Uh, for Deepwater Horizon Rig, the cement was provided by Cheney's Halliburton mm -hmm. company. Uh, it failed nine tests for safety. It never passed. This uh, cement supplied by Halliburton was so bad, it only lasted one day hmm. before the blowout came. And the attribution for that is, one second. This was the um, British Petroleum Investigative Report into the Deepwater Horizon spill. That's the attribution for what I just mentioned, that the cement only lasted one day before the blowout came. In addition, there was a uh, legislation by uh, Dick Cheney's, and I want to slow down here because central to this book is Vice President Dick Cheney's so-called uh, energy task force. Mm -hmm. uh, he called it something different. And, but you, as you recall, this was when America had a supposed petroleum future uh, shortage. And these energy task force was oil executives coming up with ideas about America's energy future. And a legislation that got passed as a result of the, that task force said no uh, acoustic switch, meaning a blowout switch, was required on offshore oil rigs. Hmm. These, these blowout switches seal a well permanently if a blowout occurs. So without that, um, as uh, an attorney puts it, who's involved in litigation in this matter, an acoustic switch would have prevented this Deepwater Horizon catastrophe. It's a fail-safe that shuts the flow of oil off at the source, and they are required 
in drilling platforms in most of the world, except for the U.S. This was one of the new deregulations devised by Dick Cheney. Mm -hmm. As a result, uh, with Cheney's effective permission, you see, the Deepwater Horizon rig had no acoustic blowout prevent uh, blowout preventer. So it had faulty cement supplied by Halliburton. It had no blowout switch as a result of legislation sponsored by Dick Cheney's task force. So I want to put this in the strongest terms here. If there was no uh, adequate cement, cement so bad it only lasted one day, and no blowout switch, uh, to the extent that all of this was thoroughly known by Halliburton executives, it's just inescapable that, and I'm putting this in the strongest terms, uh, it was the facts uh, illustrate that it was only a matter of time before a blowout came. Mm. The lack of good cement and no, no blowouts, which meant that sooner or later, you know, the cement was going to fail and there was no blowout protector. So it could have been years. It could have been many months, but it was only a matter of time. Now, I'm not saying that that proves intent by Cheney to blow out the deep water rig. See, but mm -hmm. if it was only a matter of time, he, the harm was predictable. So it's like the man driving the car recklessly. If you take an action, supplying faulty cement and preventing blowouts, blowout switches from being installed, that you know has harmful potential. If you take that action deliberately, it doesn't matter whether you intended that the pedestrian be struck or that the rig did blow and kill people and pollute the Gulf of Mexico. You're still liable. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, so, so the rig blew and oil companies profited from that blowout. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think especially, and I could talk about that, but there was, there's a, there's a couple of companies, one small Texas company uh, did get a contract, uh, but, uh, and even uh, British Petroleum recovered its profitable position, even after paying 64, uh, I think it was, it's either paying some great uh, money fine for responsibility. And that could have been a slap, you see, at, okay, BP, here you go. You're judged responsible. You take a big money hit. And that's, that's your slap against BP uh, by the, the folks that you broke ranks with. Mm -hmm. Now, that's all just speculation. Right? That's just superficial. Right. The facts are that the blowout occurred, polluted uh, the, the Mexican uh, Gulf Coast as well as the U.S. Gulf Coast. Indeed. Now, the, Me the Mexican Gulf Coast, when uh, Pemex was involved in its um, upheavals, one of which caused it to cancel the Texas oil deliveries, uh, the premier or president of Mexico was uh, under pressure to, uh, what do you call, privatize uh, much Mexican industry. 
there was a large pressure to privatize Pemex itself, but also to privatize a real estate trust, a Mexican government real estate trust that was acquiring lots of land to, to make uh, luxury hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government was buying up the land and going into the business of attracting uh, Western you know, U.S. type tourists. So uh, Halliburton and the spy community were well aware of this. This is a situation that one must enter and control to one's benefit as much as is possible. This is the entire Mexican real, uh, luxury real estate mm. industry, which comprises mostly coastal real estate, much of it on the Gulf. So the Gulf um, real estate prices uh, value was was drastically lowered by the Deepwater Horizon spill. The media reported that the oil, uh, we, we don't know whether it reached the Mexican coast. We know that it went through Texas and Louisiana. It was a a bizarre job of incomplete reporting. Mm -hmm. But it went uh, heavily down onto the Mexican coast, ruined the value of coastal land uh, by a great percentage, such that when Citibank uh, uh, moved to uh, invest in, essentially buy, when Mexico offered its real estate trust for privatization, for that means investment by wealthy people, mm-hmm. uh, Citibank controlled the investment and essentially took control of the Mexican uh, luxury hotel real estate trust, such that you have the cheaper Gulf land and you have uh, a Mexican, uh, an American company in control of the uh, acquisition of parcels of land. And so uh, this was immensely profitable, just immensely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, that is how you make money off of deliberate global warming. Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting thesis, um, well-documented. I think it... um, it also shows a very interesting intersection between these profit-making entities and governments, um, all sort of you know hand in glove, which of course is, I suppose, the fascist, the classic definition of fascism, right? You know the, uh, you know if you look at Mussolini's system, it was uh, private corporations. What they literally had is a quote council on corporate of corporations that replaced Congress and that ran the country in partnership with the dictator. Um, so and in partnership with undoubtedly with the mafia. That's right. Well, yeah, the mafia is almost the third, the third branch of government. And one I forgot to mention on the Gulf coast, as, as mm-hmm. you know, and is well-documented Mexican uh, border and it's Gulf coast. That is cartel territory. The cartelistas uh, control the entire Gulf Coast, such that you had um, cities saying, oh boy, we're getting a new luxury hotel and we're going to have this hotel put up expressly to serve Halliburton executives. Halliburton had an office in that town, Mm. but it was also a cartel town, an expressly cartel town. 
this was the town of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Altamira. I'm going to check that. But it was exemplary of other towns up and down the Mexican coast, especially near the U.S. border. As I had mentioned Los Zetas, but there's the, the Gulf cartel, uh, the Golfos. Uh, they are uh, up and down, all the way down to uh, Campeche, uh, such that this was another instance of American capital needing to move into an area controlled by organized crime, already on the ground, thoroughly controlled by organized crime. It was their turf. Right. So accommodations had to be made. And if they had to be made, then they were made. And I think that there's now stories coming out of Arizona, published by the Gateway Pundit, among others, that indicate that the Sinaloa cartel is very much uh, manipulating elections in Maricopa County, going all the way back 10 years, and that they had everything to do with this recent installation of this very corrupt um, government in this last election, which openly stalled the election. I mean, there was something like 60% of the machines were shut down <laughs> in counties that might have voted for Kerry Lake. And uh, that there's now a connection between them and the Sinaloa cartel. Uh, it makes me wonder whether or not... The entire border uh, is, as you just noted, uh, noting a specific, uh, it's just up for grabs. You see, the cartels yes. are that powerful where Texas... Uh, is kind of turned into northern Mexico just in respect of cartel influence. Right, uh, right. The, the cartels are that uh, And it makes me wonder if that has anything to do with this sort of open borders policy that's been implemented on day one of this present regime in Washington, where basically people are coming across the border that are not identified and um, that very well may be also connected to reestablishing a cartel presence in American cities all across the country. Well, one one group of people that's coming across the border with uh, um, spy community uh, cognizance and protection is uh, uh, drug dealers. Oh yeah, there's a, a uh, an Indian reservation very close to the Mexican border in Texas that where uh, a company that profited from developing post. Uh, uh, American um, Gulf Coast land uh, after the, the oil spill. It took, uh, there was a large amount of money supplied to this particular company whose name I could dig up uh, to uh, build and rebuild on the Florida, uh, northern Florida Gulf Coast. Mm -hmm. This same company, uh, in, immensely powerful, whose name I really should dig up here, and I'll do that. Uh, as uh, another operation to uh, build a totally new casino for this Indian tribe on the Mexican border. Uh, and its presence there uh, allows the uh, trafficking of drugs through its large parking lot up to uh, the next town, which is uh, Eagle Pass. So this is all um, kind of garbled here. Charles, I'm sorry. I'm going to dig up this name of the company. Mm -hmm. But um, as, as we were talking about, it's um, not only the Gulf Coast, but the Mexican, uh, the Texas uh, 
border and Arizona border that are um, compromised by cooperation mm. by cartels. Hmm. Yeah. It's a troubling story, I'll tell you that. This company is called uh, Skanska, and uh, it's, uh, it's a Scandinavian company uh, built uh, the offices of the Swedish intelligence service, mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, very powerful, hmm. um, was eventually getting back to uh, Mexico, uh, the U.S., um, in this uh, rush uh, to control Mexican real estate and, and Mexican oil, uh, built a new U.S. embassy uh, hmm. near the border in uh, uh, yes, uh, built a new U.S. U.S. embassy, and the Skanska mm -hmm. company got that contract <clears throat> as well. Okay. Um, more, um, more uh, obvious uh, influence uh, of the uh, the um, intelligence community with uh, the capitalist uh, corporations that are profiting from global warming. Okay. Well, you know, either way, the rest of us are screwed because if there is global warming, and you know, we're all going to get cooked. Um, you know, including the cartels, I mean, I suppose. But, um, I mean, I would hope that an, an alternative, which is a subject for another book, is how to develop means by which we can power our way of life without, um, without oil and without the extracting, the extractive fuels. Oh, uh, I, I, um, I see where you're going. Uh, I'm, I'm a pessimist on that. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the way of life that has caused the problem, you see. And in well, the, the, I the, want to preserve uh, that way of life, though. I like to drive well, a car. I oh, like to, sure. So do yeah, I. Yeah. But that, that really doesn't matter. Um, it, the uh, way of life that has been provided, so to speak, by the extractive uh, companies, that is, is really the problem. They, they are simply the... Uh, closest cause, but it's really the the citizenry with the lifestyle that was, in a sense, forced on it. I mean, we like it, but it was, in a sense, forced on us. But that way of life, uh, if that, to the extent that that way of life continues undiminished, well, then there is no alternative. There is no future. It's the way well, of I mean, life. I, I disagree with that. Speak of an alternate, an alternative energy source. Mm -hmm. uh, I that that is the wrong place to put the adjective uh, alternative. It's an alternative way of life that is necessary. Now, I understand. I disagree with you on that. I mean, I think sure. that our way of life is is a good thing. Our civilization has moved forward technologically and in so many other ways. And I want to make sure that we continue to do so, except there needs to be an alternatives in terms of what it is that provides the energy that gives us that ability to continue to advance.
But either way, Roger, uh, let my listeners and viewers know where they can get your excellent book or any websites you'd like to share. Speaking of technology. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm setting up a blog, but I don't have it set up yet. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the publisher is Trying Day, and uh, you can get it from Trying Day uh, on, on Amazon, uh, etc. Excellent. Roger Phelps, uh, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. The book is Bitter Heat, Deliberate Global Warming via Trick Cheney, Texas Oil, Spies, Organized Crime, and Big Real Estate. Roger, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it, Charles. All right. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.